Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify, the fast, lean learning machine, the fastest learning, most revenue generating personalization platform for e-commerce. Hello, everyone. I hope you're well. Welcome to the fifth episode of the second series of the e-commerce growth show. It's another sunny day in Bristol, right in the middle of lockdown. And as you know from our newsletter recently, we thought it'd be a really nice thing to try and support those guys that have been affected by COVID uh, in terms of their roles or the work that they're doing to widen their network and help them to find a great new role. So today, I have the pleasure of introducing to you Mohit Verma. He recently relocated from none other than New Delhi, India, about five months ago. Sadly, just as COVID kicked in. So Mohit is a digital transformation expert with eight years of experience across a number of industries in different sectors in India. And I'm really excited to hear what insights about e-commerce growth he can bring us here to us here in the UK. Hey Mohit. Hi Phil. How's it going? I'm good, Phil. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So why don't we start off, um, Mohit, give us a bit of background. I mean, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, well, I'm, I'm 32. I've, uh, I'm, uh, by, by education, I'm an industrial engineer from uh, Georgia Institute of Technology in US. And I also have an MBA from Spain, from IE Business School in Madrid. Uh, wow. Apart from that, I have an extensive analytics and campaign optimization experience over the past eight years. Uh, within the e-commerce and digital space. Uh, I've worked for, like you mentioned, an array of industries across in India. Uh, Some of them are big e-commerce unicorns like Flipkart, which was recently bought over by Walmart for around $20 billion valuation. Uh, Before that, uh, I've had my own startup as well. And uh, most recently, I worked at a food tech uh, uh, startup called Dineout, wherein I was working as a sales and marketing strategist. So uh, my roles have included uh, being uh, the brand strategist to uh, also being an ad sales professional across these uh, profiles. Wow, that's some amazing experience. Thank you. No, not at all. Um, so the, the kind of overarching thing that we're, we're talking about today is really to sort of lean on some of that amazing experience you must have had over in India and to sort of just impart some of those um, to us here uh, in the UK to see if we can get like a fresh angle on, on e-commerce in any way. Why don't you just sort of kick off and tell us some stuff that you that you think might be of interest? Of course. I mean, uh, so one good thing about e-commerce is that it's uh, it can be transferred in terms of the job, job profiles and experiences across the globe. So there are a lot of things that you can learn from different areas of the world and how, how different countries are working towards uh, their own specific uh, e-commerce growth. And India is, uh, India is one such country that's right on the cusp of growth in that sense. And uh, because of the sheer population and the number of people that are now that now have access to the internet, uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of an exciting period in terms of the growth for India. So uh, because my job involved a lot of data analytics and campaign management, uh, it, it was something that I, I learned a lot, and I was able to due to the scale of business I worked with, uh, i.e., Flipkart, which had over 15 million customers on a daily basis. Wow. I, I had the opportunity to work on building detailed customer profiles and learn. I, I got to learn a lot about audience segmentation because of the fact that uh, 
uh, you you end up running a lot of campaigns for different variety of people, be it demographics, be it geography, be it their age, or depending on the sex. Uh, furthermore, it kind of uh, the entire experience kind of prepared me to look for audience trends and optimize campaigns for better performance uh, in the minute details. So just dealing with these big volumes of data and the sizable number of campaigns kind of throws you in the deep end, and you yeah. you you end end up learning a lot more than you probably bargained for. And that's something that because I've been able to learn a lot through these experiences, yeah. I I think uh, that's something transferable to any geographical location yeah. across the globe, and so so be it in UK as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean that that sounds like it's in inordinate amounts of data that you're having to collect, use, decipher, etc. I mean, how how on earth do you go about doing that? So uh, I, I'll talk about uh, Flipkart again because I mean that was the organization yeah. that had the highest amount of data collection, and like I said, I'm around 15 million customers yeah. on a daily average day, and uh, sometimes up to 20, 30 million depending on the kind of day and uh, the event that is ongoing. Yeah. Uh, so Flipkart used to used to collect data uh, which users shared while signing up to identify certain demographics like age, sex, delivery address, uh, which kind yeah. of gave you an indication of the state that you're living in. And over time, uh, they also collected the shopping trends, the geolocations, and browsing history of these customers to kind of uh, create certain profiles uh, wherein you can you can kind of segment audiences accordingly. So uh, some some of the examples that Flipkart used were let's say an urban tech early adopter or a rural fashion shopper. So these are yeah. profiles that they, they had already created. So certain type of uh, uh, segmentation was done. So any ads that were running or even even not ads, even uh, regular browsing products that were shown were yeah. specific to these profiles that were given, depending on uh, what, what their shopping trends have been. So uh, because I worked in the ad sales department, we targeted ads to various different shopper profiles. And I mean, we did a lot of A-B testing over time so that we could could further filter these profiles and make them even more robust. Wow. But I mean, in terms of the technology that might have been helping you to do that, I mean, was this homegrown built tech that was taking this data and helping you to slice and dice it and do whatever you need to do with it? Or were you using solutions for it? I mean, how does it, how would you, so, how would you do that? Uh, of course, that's a in, very interesting question. So uh, the good thing about Flipkart was because it had become such a big unicorn by the, by the time I joined in yeah. uh, they already had an in-house analytics team and uh, right. had, had hundreds of people working on collecting data uh, analyzing it segmentifying it and then sending it to people uh, sending it to marketing and uh, analytics teams to kind of consume right. it depending on how they want it uh, right. we had an internal tool for all of this uh, so we did not even need to use excel and other uh, tools uh, to work on them but i mean uh, flipkart was started by two ex amazon employees in india so i mean i think that's where they got the idea from initially i'm sure they had to have external helps in terms of uh, analyzing and collecting data. But over time, they just because of the sheer amount of data, I think it made more sense for them to kind of develop an in-house team to be able yeah. to uh, keep, store, and analyze that data. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So, I mean, moving slightly deeper into the actual data itself, I mean, how did you find any particular um, types of segmentation more relevant for certain KPIs and metrics in certain verticals versus other verticals? I mean, how how much of an insight did you get into knowing what you should concentrate on in terms of segments for particular verticals, say in different brands in the UK? You know, if you were fashion versus you were home and garden or something or, or food. I mean, how deep did it go in terms of your knowledge of all that type of stuff based on the, that inordinate amount of data that you were working with all the time, right? 
So again, I mean, uh, it does get into that. Uh, uh, and uh, over time, we've realized the deeper you get, the better it is. But every once yeah. in a while, in terms of ad servings, it's all right to kind of uh, take a step back and uh, kind oh. of look at a broader picture. Because, I mean, the more gen- uh, personalized you're getting, the more difficult it gets and narrow it gets to find people to show these yeah. uh, showcase these ads. So, I mean, uh, you've got to find the right mix. And, I mean, uh, for audience segmentation, uh, for different verticals, of course, we're different. I mean, Flipkart's majority revenue is through mobile sales, followed by their regular household electronics uh, like TV and refrigerators. And then uh, this fashion, uh, where, where Flipkart dominates in tier two and tier three cities, in smaller cities in India. And the Flipkart's yeah. sister brand called Mintra dominates in the bigger metropolitans and the tier one cities. So keeping yeah. this in mind, the audience segmentation as well as the communication and language was extremely varied, not only uh, for Mintra and Flipkart, but within Flipkart for different verticals. Because, I mean, yeah. you might be selling a mobile to someone living in a city who understands uh, English and other languages, whereas you might be selling it to someone in a tier three city who probably do not know English and would only know their local language. So you've got to, the communication, the advertising, wow. or even the sh- uh, mobile language has to be yeah. kept in mind when you're doing all of this. So segments are constantly updated over time. They're dynamic as more data is collected and more you understand about your customers, the more you're able to kind of uh, identify them and filter them in the right position. That's really interesting. So, actually, how you talk about different different tiers, it's almost like culture within culture, right? Of course, of course. I mean, uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, yeah. Flipkart within itself had uh, profiles like gadget freaks, people who did showcase new launched gadgets in terms of mobile phones or TVs or let's say. Uh, and a, tech, a new watch that's uh, that's just been launched. Then they'll have yeah. travelers, they'll have young fashion trendsetters, homemakers, and people would overlap specifically. I mean, I could fall into a gadget freak as well as a traveler. And uh, that's just how it works in terms of kind of uh, reaching out to the right audience, making sure that every eyeball is uh, optimized in terms of what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's some, that's some job for sure. Um, so, I mean, looking at the the audience trends and, as you said, optimizing the campaigns for, you know, constantly improving performance, how did you kind of go about that? What were the key metrics you were tracking? What did success look like? Can any of that be transferred to, you know, what we're trying to do, as you said, globally in, in, within e-commerce? Did you pick up any really important stuff from being in such a massive operation, such a massive country? Of course. Uh, so, I mean, uh, as I've highlighted, because of the volume of the page yeah. visits that you're yeah. collecting, uh, there's a tremendous amount of raw data. So we had, uh, we, we kind of got the data in a consumable form, wherein we could use uh, various uh, forms of pivot and other tools to further read and analyze that data to kind of spot trends and start working towards optimizing of those specific campaigns that we are running at that moment. So, uh, so our teams were constantly running test campaigns. Uh, effectively, what we yeah. used to do was... Uh, Apart from the regular campaigns that we're running for clients, we we yeah. we'd constantly try to grow and improve our own performances uh, over time for different verticals. Yeah. So we we'd have control groups to check the veracity of our assumptions from the analysis that we've done, and the yeah. impact of any conclusion that we had come up with. And then uh, I mean these included this could include small changes like uh, the target target segment has been changed, or to product tweaks in terms of layout, in terms of where the click should yeah. be in terms of number of ads that you can see on the page, those kind of tweaks were always being tested uh, with a control group to make sure that, I mean, uh, we are optimizing, like I said, constantly. 
And uh, once these tests were run and successful with the control group, depending on the scope, we'd kind of talk to the product team. We'd had a beta or a soft launch to check for any teething issues, for any major changes that just uh, that that required. So we'd we'd go through certain processes in terms of beta testing. And once all of that is done, then we'd we'd probably uh, we'd probably go ahead and launch something like that. Again, uh, to check the check the performances of these campaigns, uh, as we already had a baseline performance. Or, which we'd collected over six months to a year of yeah. all our campaigns, we we benchmarked any new campaigns against these baselines and checked for that, uh, check for the performance against that benchmark. The the measurement varied depending on campaigns, but the key attributes generally were total views, CTR, final con conversions on our end, and the customer for customers it was cost per conversion. So these these kind of uh, attributes are uh, fairly transferable. Like you mentioning, I mean, yeah. you could be in any geographical location, you could be running an e-commerce uh, website specifically for Bristol or maybe for New Delhi, India. But at the end of the day, the total views, the CTR, the final conversions or the cost per conversion are the, are the key metrics that everyone's looking at. And if you can optimize for those specific things, then wherever you are, you, you're doing the right job. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, so did you, so you're, I mean, forgive my ignorance here, right? So in terms of your role, what in terms of Flipkart, Flipkart for example, were you primarily focusing on um acquisition into the site from end to end so and then also then the interaction on the website to conversion like some of the metrics you mentioned there around obviously the the conversion side of things were you, was your role everything from acquisition you know getting that right through, all the way through to conversion on the site so uh, i've worked in different departments over flipkart yeah. initially i was uh, working in the acquisition department but then i moved on to the ad sales and brand solutions once Got you it. get to that department, you, you're not worried about the number of people coming onto the website. You're more worried about the ads that you're serving on the website to do with those people. Uh, right. so, I got you. so my responsibility for the majority of my time at Flipkart, and then I yeah. set up that uh, plan solutions team in Mintra as well, was to make sure that uh, we're kind of optimizing the number of eyeballs that we already have. And right. we're kind of getting as much revenue because, I mean, Flipkart's an e-commerce venture uh, yeah. similar to Amazon. So there are fewer... Uh, uh, profit, uh, profit-making departments, and ad sales is one of the highest profit-making departments in most of the e-commerce ventures yeah. across the globe. So it was an essential uh, department, and we kind of got a lot of preference because of the fact that we were getting in a lot of revenue. And uh, our major, major concern was to optimize campaigns for all our clients to make sure that we get the biggest buck for whatever is possible in terms of the number of view, number of eyeballs that we get on our app. So yeah. over time, I moved towards optimizing those campaigns so i understood what our brands wanted let's say i mean uh, for example i have adidas as a brand that wanted to kind of uh, run an ad on the flipkart app so i would talk to them i'd understand what the requirements are i'd suggest a few solutions to them then we'll come up with the entire detailed plan and then kind of launch and optimize those campaigns i got it got it understood so actually then the same funnel effectively that segmentify <laughs> uses in terms of being an on-site personalization platform right yeah yeah, something, I mean, of course. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. like I said, I mean, initially in that journey for Flipkart, Segmentify would have been an ideal partner in terms of understanding the audience and kind of uh, working uh, towards getting to a bigger, I mean, I'm, most of the yeah. organizations that get to a certain stage would probably want an in-house uh, team. But I mean, yeah. because it's so costly and it's uh, probably not cost effective, it's it's good, yeah. to, good to kind of uh, reach out to brands like Segmentify to help them get to a level where they can uh, kind of uh, start understanding their audience. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, actually, I mean, did, 
you know, when you talked about Flipkart having a, a kind of an internal team, I mean, were they already utilizing machine learning then in some way? Had they built something or were they utilizing something already and like with a partner or whatever? How did it kind of, how did they cover that bit? Yes, uh, so Flipkart was already working on machine learning. Uh, they were already utilizing it as well uh, in terms of various activities, uh, uh, be it ad serving, be it just uh, not just ad serving, even even to understand the audience uh, audience trends yeah. in terms of what uh, what the audience is clicking, how is it working. So, I mean, I I would always look at it from the ads point perspective, but I mean, there was yeah. an entire machine learning team that's kind of trying to optimize the entire experience for users, irrespective of ads, so that it's the best and the most concise uh, experience that a user can get. So machine learning was, of course, I mean, a big factor of, uh, uh, of things uh, for any product change we had to kind of uh, get, get a lot of teams approval. And machine learning was one of those teams that had been working in, in tandem to make sure that the products are up to date in terms of, uh, in yeah. terms of user experience. Yeah. And what was your experience? So, I mean, Segmentify, one of our massive sort of, disrupting influences if you like in the market particularly in the uk um is that the speed of which our algorithms refine right so that you provide that millisecond level personalized experience for each eyeball as you kind of put it to you know in, improve the customer lifetime um sorry the customer experience in that moment and then obviously the potential of conversion did you find um, a similar sort of thing that speed, for example, was critical um, in order to, you know, create or get the best out of conversion. Of course, I mean, uh, like you mentioned, I mean, speed becomes an essential factor as as the e-commerce yeah. industry matures, uh, because I mean, uh, now users as well or customers for that matter as well do not uh, have the time and the patience to to search for things that they are. I mean, yeah. that to browse for things, for example. Exactly. So it's exactly. better to kind of uh, personalize uh, these recommendations so that uh, yeah. it's easier for, for the customers to kind of look for the right things that they want. And of course, there's the, the debate in terms of how personalized should it be? Because I mean, uh, uh, in terms of, like I mentioned, you go too narrow and then you're probably not not uh, getting the big, yeah. The, yeah. basically the narrower you get, it's difficult to serve these ads, it's difficult to, difficult to yeah. keep personalizing for every specific person if it's a very yeah. high traffic uh, app or yeah. Uh, portal. Yeah, absolutely. I, you, like you said, you've got, it's a delicate balance because you don't want to overload the site so that the experience gets degraded in any way. At the same time, exactly. you want yeah. possible. Exactly. Like, you want to make sure that the customer gets the best experience. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I mean, uh, brands like Segmentify kind of have that balance and they make sure that every customer is feeling valued and yet they're getting the right experience. Yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds really interesting. Um, moving on to, um, you know, the, the great experiences you had, you know, in such a big operation, such a big site, you must have come up with a number of challenges over that time to try and overcome. I mean, can you highlight any of the sort of big problems and big challenges that you faced and how you overcame them? Uh, of course. I mean, when you work for such organizations, uh, yeah. I mean, the work is dynamic and uh, because problems tend to rise irrespective of the scale of the organization. And I think I've yeah. faced uh, problems throughout my career. And I, I mean, it's, it's the way that these organizations work because it's so dynamic and the environment such that uh, at any given time, we have more than a few product tweaks that, that were being worked on. Uh, and, and you'll have issues with product, with creative teams. 
So for our team at Flipkart, uh, one of the issues was always with the product team. Uh, yeah. We'd have go-to-market timelines of any new product that we're launching. Uh, and inevitably, there will be delays and issues that were out of control, out of our control and extremely frustrating. So one of these was, yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, there was a new product that we had worked on uh, for personalization of ads for customers that like we're discussing right now. Uh, yeah. So we wanted to, I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd basically uh, signed up with a new mobile phone launcher, uh, new mobile phone uh, organization that was just launching. And we'd agreed a deal with them to showcase personalized ads to customers who had purchased a phone over nine months ago. Because our own yeah. internal data suggested that that is when customers upgraded their phones and they'd be looking and browsing for new phones. Yeah. The message was supposed to be personalized, highlighting certain details of the previous purchase. Yeah. Now, uh, I mean, because, I mean, these timelines, I mean, there were timelines that, was, that were etched in terms of uh, details with our client because, I mean, there were certain dates that they'd already committed to their distributors and everything was already planned. So we didn't have a lot of wiggle room in terms of making sure that... Uh, that our product gets launched on the time and right before the launch there was some uh, issue at the product end and that's uh, the i mean we couldn't we couldn't kind of deliver on the timelines that were agreed upon or committed to the client and because of these unforeseen delays we kind of dropped the ball on that deal and lost that big account and i mean yeah. this was one of a few cases that we've experienced even at dine out uh, my most recent stint uh, yeah. you'd, you'd have issues with the product team and that's just how it works because i mean they have their certain timelines and i think their priorities work differently too the other teams and it's just you want to live with it absolutely yeah i mean i i i have experienced that actually not not in segmentified but certainly um in some previous roles i've been in where we were working with bbc you know working with um mm -hmm. sony and some other sort of massive media platforms and they they were just adamant they were going to build a lot of stuff in-house actually and um it was taking these guys years to deliver stuff and um and so there is, I think there's that big, there is that big sort of need, I think, for company, even massive enterprise companies to realize that there are companies out there that are experts in their field that can really take away a lot of the heavy lifting um, than trying to build something bespoke and customized like, in-house. Um, exactly. I mean, uh, sometimes it's better to kind of outsource. Yeah. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I just didn't... No, no, that's okay. No, carry on, carry on. So like I was saying, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, sometimes it's better to outsource it. Or, yeah. or at times it's it's better to be more realistic about timelines as well. I mean, sometimes I felt that our product teams kind of gave us timelines that were not achievable as well. But again, it's yeah. it's a part of the journey and experience. Absolutely. I mean, I've I've had my fair share of that as well. And like you say, I mean, it's a rounded role. You know, it's it, this stuff's going to happen. So there's no point throwing your toys out the pram. You you've got to get through that side of it, make the best of it, manage the customer expectation, even though you know you were managed you know, yours wasn't. So you've got to then be the, the, the kind of the, you know, the bridge, you've got to bridge the gap, but it's all part of the role, isn't it? I mean, there's no, there's no, yeah. there's no perfection out there. You've just got to kind of roll your sleeves up. And I think some of the elements of being more mature in, in your role is knowing that stuff will happen. And then it moves from being, you know, your direct core activity to being more of a, a personal development element where you have to have the value system and the, you know, the, um, the attitude that can handle um, the environment that you're going to see yourself in from day to day, right? Of course. I mean, that, I think that's probably one of the most essential uh, requirements to be successful across, apart from your skills. It's yeah. how you kind of manage and deal with these situations as well. 100%. 100%. Well, that was really, really interesting, Mohit. Um, tell us just, I'm just, I'm curious sorry, for everyone to know, really. I mean, you're living in London now, is that right? Yes, I'm living in London yeah. now, yes. 
So what, just, just so if there's anybody listening who's interested in talking to you, I mean, what, what's your ideal role at the moment? What, what do you, you know, with the experience you've talked about Flipkart, I know you've started your own, your own business as well. I mean, or, or, what sort of thing are you looking for in terms of, you know, location, the type of role? Are you looking for a more Flipkart type role or a more startup type role? What, what, what's your ideal thing? Oh, thank you for asking that. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, like I've mentioned, I have a variety of uh, experiences in e-commerce and digital. What I'm looking for is something uh, closer to strategy and growth marketing. I mean, right. effectively in the digital space, because that's where I've worked for the yeah. past eight years. Like you mentioned, I've been my own startup. And uh, in terms of location, I mean, I'm uh, very flexible in terms of uh, across London or London metropolitan area, because yeah. that's where I've just recently moved and I'm kind of settled here now. Brilliant. You mentioned that startup. I know we haven't really talked much about it. Why don't you um, give us a little bit of a flavor of what you did with that startup? That would be pretty cool. Of course. Uh, so during my uh, undergrad in US, I, I came across this website called allposters.com that used to sell posters and art prints and other fan merchandise across, uh, sure. uh, across the country. And uh, when I went back to India, I realized that uh, we didn't have one of these uh, uh, poster startups uh, or any... Uh, website or any uh, place that was retailing official licensed posters so that's how the idea got generated and it, oh, I basically found another friend of mine who wanted to start up uh, who wanted to work on a startup so we we bootstrapped this small organization we launched a website called Karmocrat wherein we used to retail these posters art prints and other merchandise across India uh, all of these posters were licensed we used to uh, there are two big uh, organizations called GBI posters and pyramid posters here in UK wherein we used to license posters and uh, kind of import them in India and then retail them across India. Apart from that, we had designers on board who had multiple uh, designs ready. So we had over 10,000 SKUs uh, that we were wow. selling across India for four years. Well, and some of that was your own, did you say? Like you had designers? Yeah, yeah. so like I said, I mean, we had we have designers on board and over time I'd learned enough uh, to start creating and designing posters by myself as well. So that's something, that's another small uh, learning that I had uh, in terms of how to use Photoshop how to how to work on uh, Adobe yeah. Acrobat and all of these uh, different tools sure. to create posters. And I suppose what did that those those SKUs were effectively your manufacturing, right? So did you have better margins compared to ones you were basically kind of reselling, if you like? Yes, of course, uh, they're definitely better margins. Even though we were profit sharing, with, some of them were profit sharing with the with the designers. Uh, the yeah. margins were much much better, probably hundred times yeah. better. Uh, but I mean, uh, there was a lot of demand for these uh, resold posters because I mean, the licensed posters, let's say, of big brands like uh, yeah. uh, Manchester Marvel, United yeah. or Liverpool or London. I mean, these yeah. were brands that were in demand in India as well. Yeah. So, but I mean, uh, it, it taught me a lot of things. I started my own website, uh, then start yeah, that... learning about uh, business development, learning about marketing. A lot of things that I really was able to use later in my career at Flipkart or yeah. Dineout was learned uh, from scratch in a bootstrap startup that I did yeah. from my own house. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. So what happened to it in the end then? So, uh, I mean, I think it kind of, I mean, we worked for four years and uh, I yeah. eventually kind of the growth kind of plateaued. And we've, I mean, I felt that uh, that was the right opportunity for me to kind of go learn uh, sure. more about marketing and other skills. That's why I went and pursued my MBA. Uh, so we, the kind of, uh, the startup had its own natural end, so to say effectively yeah no absolutely and and great that you did an mba as well i mean how i mean because i've been in business for quite a long time I'm sure a lot of the guys you know the listening have as well i never did an mba um but how, how do you feel that's kind of rounded you off in terms of you know just so, knowledge of everything you know 
Of course, I mean, uh, very interesting questions. I, I, I'd like to share this uh, anecdote with everyone that, uh, I, I mean, I, if I had done my MBA before my startup, I would have achieved yeah. whatever I did in two years rather than four years because <laughs> there's a lot of knowledge gaps. I mean, I was an engineer to begin with, so I had very little knowledge about branding, about how to position yourself and all of these yeah. things that I initially thought were soft skills that I didn't need. But during my MBA, I learned a lot and uh, I recommend it to everyone who, who, yeah, really. who is inclined towards business. To, to learn about it, to go and do an MBA, wherever it may be, because, I mean, it kind of opens you up to a different uh, different perspective if you have a technical background. And on sure. top of that, it kind of, kind of completes you and kind of uh, basically, if you're rough around the edges, kind of sharpens you there as well. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, I, interestingly, one of the roles I had a few years back, I learned a lot because, as I said, I haven't done an MBA myself, but the CEO that I was working for had done one and it was just chalk mm-hmm. and cheese in terms of the operation he was running and uh like we were sat down and what i found was really important about it and i kind of i learned this a little bit like you said early on you know what before you did an mba really through experience that everything had a bottom line everything had a cost point everything had an roi everything had a business plan and a strategy and it was all documented and modeled and when i started realizing and this guy had an mba you know and obviously that's only one element but it was that whole idea of taking the the, the P&L side of a business and properly taking it seriously into everything that you're doing, I was like, oh, okay, hold on a minute. I kind of understand why this guy's on another level to me. Because when somebody says to me, how are you going to make this operation work, Phil? And I go, well, um, you know, I'm going to have some build some great relationships and I'm going to do X, I'm going to do Y. But then, then you realize there's a whole other level, which is all driven by the knowledge of the actual fundamentals of a business. And that was cool. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think it kind of, like I said, it kind of... Uh sharpens your edges in terms of in terms of the finishing product and uh, yeah. that's that's essential sometimes i mean like i i i'm i easily admit that uh, my startup would have would have achieved what it did in four years in much less time if i had done my mba because there are certain skills that you just learn uh, yeah. through professional experience rather than uh, rather than anywhere else but i mean uh, if if you're a technical background startup a uh, technical background guy and who's starting his own organization it's difficult to understand a lot of these soft skills in terms of marketing, in terms of, like you said, uh, ROI, in terms of uh, making sure everything's documented, the right PNL statements yeah. are ready. All of those skills was something that I had no idea about to begin with when I started as a 22-year-old in my own uh, organization. That sounds like it was exciting times. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun times. I had yeah, a lot yeah. and I learned a lot. Oh, absolutely. And great to be able to do it so young as well. That's fantastic. I mean... Yeah. Um, actually been really impressed most recently with some of the partnerships that I've been working on um, I won't I won't mention any names because I don't want to um, you know I don't want to swell their heads too much but there's some young there's some young guys and girls now that I'm talking to on, on a quite regular basis and I'm just gobsmacked at just the level of intellect and intuition and I think it's because of like what what you guys have grown up with you know yeah I'm compared to me and I'll be honest and some, sometimes they're leaving me for dust I'm sitting there in, in a board meeting and they're talking I'm like sorry guys can you can you repeat that again can you can you break that down a bit more for me you know and they kind of laugh but I some of the guys I mean that I talk to are just streets ahead now with all the Google stuff for example you know the, the complexities of it and how it's changing the landscape they're like leaving me for dust it's amazing actually um, what these guys have to know now I completely agree. I mean, I think it's the exposure to everything at a younger age Absolutely. is probably the only reason. I mean, I, I I now feel like you at times in terms of a lot of organizations and a lot of people I've met uh, in the past couple of years. I've just I'm I'm myself uh, amazed in terms of 
how people are so much more aware of things at such yeah. a younger age. It's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, thank you so much for that. I mean, um, obviously, sadly, we are still right in the middle of COVID and the lockdown. The timing of everything was, you know, pretty poor for you and I, actually, you know, in terms of segmented <laughs> journey and, and uh, what we're planning to do. Um, but it's safe to say it's coming, it's coming back around. Um, but for your good self, I mean, in terms of how guys can get hold of you, what, what's the best way? So, I mean, uh, ideally, I mean, I have, uh, I can be reached on my LinkedIn profile. Uh, Mohit Barma is my name. And uh, you can search there. My email address is mohit1305 at gmail.com. And I, I, I'm, I look forward to hearing from people who'd like to know more about uh, what we've discussed today or what I've done uh, in terms of my experience. 100%. Just to finish off then, um, if you were to give one key nugget, you know, one piece of gold for our listeners to be able to take away from this chat, what would it be? I mean, uh, I think, I think uh, uh, like we discussed, I mean, in the past five, ten minutes in terms of uh, knowledge and exposure, the more you're exposed, the more you're learning in terms of, uh, in terms of any specific field. I, I know a lot more about digital than uh, other fields. So my, uh, my key takeaway or my key nugget to anyone is to keep learning. I mean, Especially in digital, it's uh, it's so dynamic and it's so it's so vast that they, you can never know everything. So the more you learn, the more you read, the more you'll understand, and the more you'll be up to date in terms of the entire uh, field. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the more the more effort you put into learning your trade. Yeah, I mean, it's directly proportional to to how much you kind of gain out of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to differentiate, you just got to put the work in. There's no other way, is there? Let's be honest. Yes, uh, definitely. I mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, thank you so much for that, Mohit. It was really, really interesting. Um, thank you for spending some time with me. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you felt it was uh, valuable and great to hear somebody uh, who's come over from, in, from India and bring that, uh, that angle with them. He's worked for some very large operations and, and small alike. If you um, haven't done so already, uh, I recommend that you register on segmentify.com forward slash podcast. Um, you'll be able to receive the existing podcasts that are there. You'll be able to get hold of Mohit's one and any ones that we do in the future with him, hopefully, as we ask him back after he's been snapped up. Um, and uh, if you've got any questions or you want to be involved in the series or you've got any specific topics, actually, that you really want us to cover uh, and go and talk about and find people to talk about, um, do email me anytime at phil at segmentify.com. And just really the last thing to say is if you can really get behind Mohit and support him by sharing this podcast across your networks and to just think about anybody that would be of interest um, to, to speaking to Mohit, um, do give us a shout and um, bear him in mind. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, stay strong and safe. And Mohit, thank you so much again for your time. Put us to the test and let us prove we can drive more revenue for you. Sign up for a completely free proof of concept or split test against your current provider. Set up and optimized by our team within a few days at segmentify.com demo.